It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 7669 Bottom of the hour, we're going to speak to Denise Rowland. She wrote a really insightful editorial in the Wall Street Journal about natural immunity and what they know about the stats and what the data leads them as compared to the vaccine. But we're not doing the study. We got to go to Europe. We got to go to the UK. We got to go to Israel to get these answers. Might be better. Even if there's a chance, we know it's a factor. Why is that not factored into total vaccination of the country uh, and put those people who are protected from this virus? But a lot to discuss today. The President of the United States will pretend to be included into the supply chain. He'll have a presser at 345 uh, in about two and a half hours. He's about, going to have something on this new variant. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three. I want a white hot economy that will raise wages at the bottom, which is happening. That will bring people back in the labor force, which is happening, which is spreading wealth around the country and not concentrating in a few cities. I have high tolerance for inflation in this kind of economy because I think we need it as a society to heal. What? Uh, that is David Brooks of the New York Times. He's supposed to be a conservative. The economy, where we stand, we are struggling, and where we're not. Biden's reconciliation bill, is that the answer to our problems with the supply chain, with inflation, and everything else? We will talk about this state of the economy, but how it affects you. Number two. But they're really criticizing science, because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows they get thrown at me. Ugh, this guy's amazing. Fauci wanted a fight, and he's got it. He takes on Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and Republicans as he's about to dial in on another lockdown shutdown and those policies that failed in the past. Are we going to go along with it? Does he fully know what he's getting into? Number one. I think it's unfortunately very punitive, and we could have accomplished a lot of what we're seeking to accomplish with these restrictions, perhaps by increasing requirements on travelers. But we didn't need to close off travel, and unfortunately, we're punishing South Africa for doing the right thing. Exactly. Dr. Scott Gottlieb of CBS, no good deed goes unpunished. South Africa announces new strains and gets rewarded with a massive African travel ban. And America is and the rest of the world do it. Eight different nations. What we know and what we plan to do about it is called Omnicron. I know, Godzilla defeated Omnicron in the last Japanese movie, but it looks like it's back. COVID-19, first off on the big picture. For the last two weeks, deaths are down 13%, cases were up 9%. What about last week? Well, according to this newspaper called the Washington Post, cases were down 23%, deaths are down 23.6%. Pretty good, right? Overall, 74% of the Americans over five years old have at least one shot. 62% are fully vaccinated. You take in natural immunity, it is game on, right? You would think. But it doesn't stop mandate mania for taking over. Places like Chicago, 35 police and 26 fire department workers have been put on no-pay basis. In Long Island, Mount Sinai, a very prestigious hospital, shut down for COVID patients because they don't have nurses. About 23% of Chicago's first responders not fully vaccinated. Google employees, 600 of them, signed a document calling on the company to rethink its vaccine mandate for 150,000 workers. So the U.S. Marine Corps, 
is losing. Uh, uh, they have a November 28th deadline. Uh, they have 183,000 Marines. Well, uh, the Corps is about to lose several thousand because they don't want to be vaccinated. They think they have an excuse or their natural immunity or they just don't want it. And the answer from the Marine Corps, we can't lose one Marine. So congratulations. So here we're at a decreasing number of cases as well as decreasing number of deaths and hospitalizations. I'm pretty happy about that. When I look at Florida, who allowed you to live your life, but take precautions, but make your own decisions and fight back against mass mandates, unless some district wants to come down on it, they bring them to court to see what happens. They are the lowest in the country. Nobody wants to report on that. Lowest in the country. Florida. Remember they were the main story because you wouldn't lock down again? When they go low, no one talks about Texas. No one talks about the decreases in Mississippi. No one talks about Florida. No one talks about South Carolina. So here we go. Out comes this Omni, uh, this new variant. Uh, the variant has gotten everyone freaked out. The Omicron. Omicron. Now, the Omicron variant's in South Africa. They called up right away and said, listen, we're not sure, but we got this resistant, this vaccine-resistant mutation. It's got about 30 mutations in it. Uh, we need about 14 days to find out how dangerous it is, but the people that have had it have mild symptoms. They don't even lose taste and smell. A lot of them are younger. Thanks. So let's ban them. Eight other countries in Africa banned. Now, look, I can't do the economic, uh, the 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 premier economic report on these eight African nations, but they can't afford to lose all travel. They can't afford not to travel. Then think about the ripple effect. Some of these African uh, African uh, citizens want to come here for vacation. Goodbye hotel, goodbye rent-a-car, goodbye airplane travel. Why? Out of the abundance of caution, you cannot make a decision on science alone. You have to bring in science and economists and psychologists. Talk about, is this worth a shutdown? Emergency Orders are in place in New York. You believe this? Emergency orders. No more elective surgeries because we're going to be ready. Cases are down. Deaths are down. Hospitalizations down. We're going to be ready. We're not going to pull off the mandate that's causing nurses to quit, doctors to quit, hospital workers to quit. We're going to be ready for this. In terms of an overreaction, absolutely. If you do want a massive ban to not be caught with our pants down like Delta, keep in mind, Delta variant, we were watching what the Delta variant was doing in India, and we saw they didn't have enough refrigerator trucks to keep all the dead bodies. That's a little different than mild symptoms. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, cut one. The three critical questions right now is, first, is this more virulent? So to your question, is this making people uh, more ill? Uh, there's no indication that it is, and in fact, there's some anecdotal information offered of physicians in South Africa that this could be causing milder illness. Okay, milder illness. Is that a reason to shut down travel? Look at this. Uh, the countries that have shut down travel. It's not just us. Uh, there are, where are we? The countries that have shut down travel already are with the cases down. I just had this whole list here. It's unbelievable. Omicron has been found in South Africa, England, Netherlands, Germany, Italy, Belgium, Hong Kong, Israel, and Australia. So they have decided to shut down Austria, but, uh, 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 Canada, Czech Republic, Denmark, France, Hong Kong, Israel, Switzerland have all shut down. You can't travel there from seven different African countries. So I thought that Dr. Gottlieb also put it pretty uh, effective when he tweeted this out. The only thing, that pro- the prohibition of, 
prohibiting on travel will do is further damage the economies of the affected countries and undermine their ability to respond to and recover from the pandemic. He goes on. There's too much we don't know to impose an economically, socially ruinous policies on South Africa and other nations. Ready, fire, aim is not prudent. It's not good public policy. Vaccine testing requirements for incoming travelers could be prudent. Outright travel bans can hurt them more than help. So it makes sense. Also, think about this. You're a country that wants to be transparent. Hey, I'm going to call up everybody. And guess what? You get rewarded with a punch in the face. China doesn't tell us what they're doing, doesn't tell us the variant that's going to hit us, doesn't tell us how to fight us, doesn't tell us the testing, doesn't tell us where it came from. We still don't know. And in two weeks, we had a travel ban. And of all people, Joe Biden came out and ripped the president of the United States at the time, President Trump, for doing it. He called it xenophobic. Remember that? He uh, came out and said that. He was xenophobic. Let's listen. The American people need to have a president who they can trust what he says about it that he is going to act rationally about it. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia, to, uh, and fear-mongering to lead the way instead of science. Okay. So as it hits our shores, we're getting slammed with this unknown virus, he goes out of his way to take, talk about how bad it is they were banning Chinese travel. Why? Because his son's doing an international business deal with unsavory Chinese agents? Maybe we'll find out about that a little bit later when we have Miranda DeMine on talking about her new book, The Laptop from Hell, and we will. So they get re- they get rewarded. No, they don't have any hell to pay for this. They don't let the WHO to investigate. We still don't know how it started. So Dr. S- uh, Scott Gottlieb comes out and says exactly what I was thinking, but he's a professional. Dr. Angelique Kotsik of South Africa told The Guardian this. It's all speculation at this stage. It's highly transmissible, but so far the cases we're seeing are extremely mild. Maybe two weeks from now I have a different opinion, but this is what we're seeing. So we're up seriously worried? No. We're concerned, and we watch it, and we see what's happening. For for now, we're saying, okay, there's a whole lot of hype here. We're not sure why. And then the WHO says we shouldn't do anything, not that I listen to them. But the South African president says this, the, the only thing the prohibition of travel will do is further damage the economy. So we have this. We have South Africa's president. We got our uh, medical officials. But right now, the Biden administration shuts everybody down. I thoroughly believe you cannot go by medical advice and science advice alone because the economy and the psychology of shutdowns, which are leading to this, because the governors think that's the way to keep us safe, like we're four-year-old children going to preschool. Dr. Scott, Scott Atlas has a book about this. He's seen how this operates, and he sees what's going on. And he sees that we're doing heading down that path again. Cut eight. What we've heard from South Africa is that it's not very lethal. Yes, infections occur, but it seems to be a mild illness. And, you know, we have to be concerned. We have to see what's going on. We have to watch the evidence. But to incite panic, to introduce policies that failed over and over and over again, like we never saw this fail before, I mean, the lockdowns do not eradicate the virus. This is some almost uh, it's bizarre that we even have to say this, but there's some kind of bizarre myth among the governors uh, of the world that somehow we can eradicate the virus by the lockdowns. The virus is not going to be eradicated like that. Okay, here we go. Uh, we got to stand up and we kind of take it. I know there's riots in Czech Republic, there's big protests in Austria. I'm sure there's going to be in Australia. 
they don't have a Second Amendment, but they got to stand up because they're rethinking their opening up of their society. So uh, the other, I want to get some calls. I want you to weigh in on this. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. And I don't mind if you don't agree with me. I, I like it. So please feel free to call. I do not want any more lockdown shutdowns. And when a country comes forward and with their leading scientists and tells us things, we reward them with a massive travel ban. I think is just rewarding. It's punishing great behavior on their part. So the other thing that came up in an extended interview on Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you see how annoyed she gets when she feels as though politicians are not answering her question? Now with Anthony Fauci, gives him a cakewalk as he's able to, without any follow-up question, go off on his opponents, his critics. I'm one of them. President Trump is one of them. Uh, there are so many senators and congressmen, big critics of him because— he is not transparent. His his rules are haphazard. The six feet apart, the masking, he's all over the place. There is no science behind what he's saying. But if you criticize Fauci, guess what you're doing? Cut 15. All I want to do is save people's lives. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. And if you damage science, you are doing something very detrimental to society long after I leave. Okay, here's the other thing. You have one opinion from whatever sources you want. Other scientists differ from you. If I agree with that scientist and he disagrees with you, are my anti-science? So if you disagree with me, you're just wrong or you don't like Italian people. That's just it. You're against science. You're against, you want to make me the bad guy, go ahead. I'm just saving people's lives. Our problem is you're not. And how good a job are you doing if you're playing the prominent role as the chief scientist and 750,000 Americans are dead and millions are dead around the world? How's your science going? So he goes on. The take on Ted Cruz and Rand Paul and everybody else. Cut 17. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. (laughs) I have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? Do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect from President Trump? Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. That's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. Under his skin. They are under his skin. For a scientist to bring up January 6th that has nothing to do with the virus shows you he's a political animal masking as a scientist. Tom Cotton actually weighed in on that. I'll look to bring that soundbite back on Fox and Friends. Hey, thanks to everyone that picked up the President Freedom Fighter over the weekend. Uh, I'm Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and their battle to save America's soul. Uh, This weekend, I'll be Friday night. I'll be in Jacksonville. WOKV listeners hope to see you out there. Uh, I'm not sure any tickets are left. In Clearwater, we're just about sold out, too. 
I look to see everybody out there, too. I'm going to drive there, so that means it's drivable. If you can't get in in Jacksonville, you might be able to get in in Clearwater, but you can always get the book, BrianKillMe.com. It goes to my local Barnes & Noble, and I show up there every three days when I can, and I sign you know, dozens of books, so it's been working out great. When we come back, I'll take your calls and then have Denise Rowan weigh in on her reporting about natural immunity and how some countries say it is better than the vaccine. Don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show of the people for the people. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You were quoted as saying it was the worst possible decision for the Trump administration to have left things up to the states. Yeah. Where do you rank that? I rank that right there, maybe a little bit below some of the things you're talking about, but way up there. Well, that was a Donald Trump policy that had the states competing for... Uh, for everything that they needed, because each state had different needs. That was president's policy, and he doesn't like it, and he doesn't mind sounding off on it. And if you pretend to be Anthony Fauci and want to be apolitical, why is everything for every Democratic cause? Riots in the streets after the George Floyd verdict? I can't really see it spreading. Really? Okay. Uh, problems at the border? I don't really see a problem there. I don't really see that being a substantial issue. Really? You want everybody vaccinated. You want 85% of this country vaccinated, but you don't mind if 2 million people come in illegally, let alone the getaways, almost none of which are vaccinated. We know this, over 20% have tested positive for the virus, the ones that did get tested. So that doesn't bother you. This guy is pure politics. And if you just want to say I'm a Democratic doctor, I'd appreciate that a lot more. But to say if you argue with me, you argue with science. So if you don't agree with me, you don't like the news. You just don't like the news. You don't agree with me. You just don't like talk radio. How would you feel if I said that? There is no difference between what I said and what Anthony Fauci said. You disagree with some of his conclusions. Plus, he never has a definitive thing to say until after it's done. And when he was saying definitive things, he's wrong maybe 60% of the time. Listen, we have a lot to discuss today. Fauci put himself in the line of fire, had to do every single show, took bows, didn't say anything until South Africa came out with this. If he was so tapped in to what's going around the world, why does he need South Africa even to say anything? There should be a clearinghouse where it all goes to places like the United States of America. After all... We're the ones bringing all the vaccines to those countries who, by the way, can't handle it because they don't have the infrastructure. They actually asked us to slow down with the vaccine. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. One beef I've had, and I think it's a very valid beef, it's clear that previous infection gives immunity. 
uh, Dr. Fauci has said that in the committee hearing. There's been no analysis as to the effect, as to the longevity of that or anything else that folks would want to know. I've been previously infected. Am I immune? CDC is totally not interested in looking at that. I think the American people know they're being gamed a little bit. I would still get vaccinated. The CDC should get on their job and do that, do that work, too. Uh, that is Senator Bill Cassidy, who's a doctor, saying, what about natural immunity? That's the same p- subject that Denise Rowan ca- captured uh, for the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. Uh, she's a pharmaceutical reporter, knows this stuff. The title tells the story, COVID-19 vaccines or infections, which carries the stronger immunity? Uh, Denise, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for tackling this. Nobody wants to talk about the uh, antibodies that you get after you get the virus. And that's what a lot of people are saying, these cops, firefighters, nurses, and doctors. Hey, I've had this already. Uh, I got the immunity. Why don't people take this into account? What did you discover? Yeah, well, I I set out to just figure out, you know, where we're at currently on our understanding of um, immunity from prior infection. Um, And, you know, what I found was that there there is evidence out there showing that it, you know, there, there is protection from prior infection, which maybe is... Uh, pretty obvious, but you know, the, the, there isn't a ton of evidence, you know, trying to compare the two forms of immunity um, directly. Um, but, but you know, of what there is, there, there are some signs that you know it is at least as strong as, as immunity from vaccination. So you got you cited re- Israel study found that people who had been vaccinated with two shots of the vaccine developed by Pfizer uh, were 13 times more likely to later get infected than those with a prior infection, meaning they have the antibodies. The study, which hasn't been peer-reviewed, tracked confirmed infections between June and August this year for people who had been either vaccinated or infected in January or February. You said several peer-reviewed studies conducted in the early part of the pandemic before the vaccinations found that people infected during the first waves were 80 percent less likely to test positive during the next surge. Those studies spanned healthcare workers in the U.K., the Danish population, uh, uh, and patients at the Cleveland Clinic. So... I mean, these are you don't just write an opinion. You're going out there and doing the best you can to get the facts. Yeah, and, you know, I think there is evidence out there, um, you know, pointing to this. You know, there's data from the Office for National Statistics in the UK as well. You know, it just looks at, uh, you know, risk of testing positive for, for the virus based on your vaccination status. You know, have you had two doses? Have you had one dose? Um, or are you previously infected without vaccination? And that data, you know, it's very high level. It's not super detailed, but from a kind of high up population level, you know, it shows a similar level of protection from prior infection um, as vaccination. So you go on to say, uh, you go uh, the wide span of opinions. Uh, Monica Gandhi says this, it's complicated. We're in a state in the world where vaccination and prior infection seem equally protective. She works for the University of California, San Francisco, Division of HIV, Infectious Diseases and Global Medicine. So Michael Nussenzweig, you also put in your column, the professor who led the Rockefeller research, said the paper suggests that vaccination likely offers better protection from infection, but not this protection, but, but this protection wanes rapidly. He goes on to say the quality of long-term immune memory, which is key to responding to infection and staying out of the hospital, is superior in people who have had an infection. Why do you think that the medical community isn't transparent about the fact that they're not sure, but their indications are very positive? Why do you think they're reluctant to factor that into who's immune and who's not? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So I, I'm in the, the Journal of London Bureau um, and sort of sitting across from Europe, you know, quite a lot of European countries do count um, 
recovery from COVID-19 as proof of immunity. Um, you know, the CDC... They do? Uh, in, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if, if you've recovered in the last six months, that carries the same sort of currency as having been vaccinated. So, for instance, in, like, Germany and France, you might need to show proof of immunity to go into a bar or restaurant. Um, and, you know, proof of vaccination or proof of recovery in the last six months are kind of equivalent in it for, for those purposes. For those purposes, so this is something that you know in other parts of the world is is you know being done. This, the CDC itself, um, in a scientific briefing, said you know it, it believes that you have strong protection for six months from both forms of immunity. Um, I think what drives the policy in the US is um, a sense that a simple message is is easier to digest, um, and so if you're going to choose a simple message, the simple message is vaccination, um, because you know what. Um, everyone agrees on is as a means of acquiring immunity in the first place that is the safest way to go about it um, and I think there's a concern that you know talking about immunity from prior infection could inadvertently encourage people to go out and get infected on purpose to get that immunity rather than getting vaccinated I think there's a concern that muddying the messaging um, you know could basically lead to a bad outcome. But that That's an interesting theory, and maybe they're executing it, but can they see that it's just breeding distrust? Because when you know you have the immunity, you know, I think Walgreens in America is offering an antibody test. So if your antibody test is stronger than a member of your family who got two, two shots of uh, the Moderna vaccine, and you say, well, I can't go to a bar, I can't go to a restaurant because I don't have the vaccination card because they're not taking into uh, my natural immunity into account, and we're not children— I mean, we need to be spoken to like we're adults that just didn't major in medicine. And the fact is it gets people angry and distrustful of the government. It doesn't seem as though it seems like maybe these other countries trust their people more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's it's an interesting question. You know, I, I don't know what the calculus is there. I think, you know, from a public health perspective, there is a value placed on simple messaging. And I think that's what they seem to have gone with. Um, you know, another concern that I heard from public health folks is that there isn't a kind of, I guess, standard test for proving immunity. I mean, you've, you've talked about antibody tests and, you know, you obviously can show that you've had an infection with a, with a positive PCR test, but I think there's a concern that there kind of isn't a, a, a universal, like, proof of immunity test that can show that you are. And so I think it really comes down to an idea that simplicity um, is right. the more productive path, but it might, you're right, you know, it might not be the the right approach. Um, you know, I think we're sort of still figuring out um, which approach, you know, turns out to have been a smarter one. So, Denise, um, I don't know about the booster talk in the UK and the EU, but now the big thing is if you're, you know, you're an adult or you're over, uh, I think, 17, go get a booster shot. And now people are saying, well, this next Omicron variant might be uh, might not be stopped by this current vaccination so we might need another can you imagine the skepticism if we actually need not only a booster shot which they didn't say we needed but we need a fourth shot do you think you think the uh, this is going to cause more resentment amongst the masses I mean, I, I, I don't know um, I get how people will respond to that I mean I think the you know, the use of boosters, to, so what boosters have been shown to do is they certainly increase your antibodies. And antibodies are kind of like a frontline defense um, 
So, you know, there are different sorts of immunity. And, and as, um, you know, Professor uh, Nissenzweig talks about the immune memory being a really important element of that, you know, I think it gets um, muddled up. So I think if for, for antibody immunity, vaccines certainly um, do a good job. And they're quite good as a frontline defence when you're kind of fighting something that's coming down the pike and you're not quite sure um, you right. know, what it's going to hold. But what, what we don't know, I suppose, yet is, you know, with immune memory and other forms of immunity, you know, whether, you know, they actually do hold out in the longer term um, and protect us from severe disease and hospitalization anyway. So let's talk about the vaccines. Uh, AstraZeneca is used quite often in the UK, right? Didn't you guys uh, come up with that vaccine? And is that is that the number one vaccine through Europe too? Um, it's sort of a mixed picture. So the AstraZeneca vaccine is used a fair bit in Europe and the UK, but uh, I think it's in the UK, at least, in the end, I think it turned out to be about half and half Pfizer and AstraZeneca. And would would you say that that's been effective? What, what we've seen in the UK, um, so the UK has just come through um, a summer where we had pretty high levels of virus. Um, so what that was attributed to was waning immunity um, from vaccination. Kind of hard to untangle whether that's AstraZeneca or Pfizer or a bit of both, um, you know, which one um, people got. Um, but, you know, so what you've seen is, you know, protection, um, it's, it's waned um, and then boosting has, you know, put, put that, pushed that protection back up again. Um, so what we do seem to see that, you know, is that vaccination per, certainly gives you a short-term protection um, and that can be topped up through boosting. Um. So do you, when people get skeptical thinking the pharmaceutical company is looking to cash in rather than factor in natural immunity, do they have a point? Is that something you're looking at? It's, I think it's really tough to untangle uh, because, you know, in this emergency situation, you know, the, the scramble to, to, to you know, invent vaccines and push them out and get them into people's arms, you know, it's, it was, it's been kind of remarkable like that that's been able to, to unroll. Um, and I think, they're just, you know, it's going to be a longer-term project to really understand the different forms of immunity um, and, you know, what, you know, the the better strategy is in the air. I think, you know, with vaccination, what we've got is a tool that has been shown to bring down, you know, severe illness and death. Um, and so with that tool in hand, it's kind of one of our key, like, pieces of, uh, you know, of you know artillery for fighting this virus um you know it will it, it and i think in the while we're waiting for more evidence to come through you know they still remain like a good tool um but i think you know with the the evidence of prior infection and the immunity you get from that building you know i think it you know it's 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 right to ask questions about, you know, whether people with prior infection need boosting or, you know, um, need a full course of vaccination. The new variant you know, throws a whole other um, question mark over everything, and that's going to take more time to work out. Um, so it's just we're in this incredibly fast-moving environment with, you know, fast-moving, uh, you know, research. Um, and I think it's going to take time to work these out. But, I, you know, I think it's it's valid to ask, you know, whether you know, we should be interrogating the role of, um, you know, immunity from prior infection more and, you know, adopting perhaps more nuanced approaches to vaccination. Right. What's been the response, Denise? And the last question, you wrote, you wrote that story about the Wall Street Journal look in the, looking at the vaccines as opposed to getting the natural immunity. What's been the reaction to your column? 
Um, you know, I've, I've had a real mix of, of reactions. You know, a, a, a number of folks have just you know said they've, they've really, um, I, I guess, find it useful to see all the evidence um, laid out like that. Um, so I hope it was helpful um, to describe you know what the science says so far, and, and I hope it helps people make decisions and um, you know gives them feels like makes them feel better equipped. Great. Uh, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Denise Rowan uh, reporting overseas about something truly affecting us here at home. Denise, thank you. Thank you. one 408 7669 I see you on the board. I'll get to you in Las Vegas. I'll get to you in Indiana. I'll get to you in Jacksonville. Don't miss a minute. Brian Kilmeade Show, back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, we mentioned those travel restrictions earlier. We know that New York's governor has declared a state of emergency. Uh, and uh, we saw the markets take a nosedive on Friday, all because of the Omicron variant. So I would say that this poses a significant challenge to the Biden administration, particularly on the economic front. And we, last week, we heard the president uh, urge Americans to have confidence in the progress that the economy has made. Well, the Omicron variant could pose a significant threat uh, to that progress. And heading into an election year uh, for the uh, Biden administration, which is critical it could spell trouble well i'll tell you what that is a look at our economy right now that is a uh, someone who leans left to reviewing what the democrats are looking at now remember joe biden said and we'll bring back this soundbite at some point that anybody who has uh, who's presided over a country with this many deaths should not be president anymore in his year with a vaccine he has had more deaths than donald trump without a vaccine not even knowing where this virus was coming from how it inflicted on us and where it was going. We had never dealt with this before. And still more deaths under Joe Biden. Paul is listening on WMNC in Indiana. Paul. Hey there, Brian. Um, I just wanted to touch a little bit on this whole vaccinated thing and Fauci thing. And honestly, there's so, so much that I can talk about. You know, and and I just want to say, here we go again. You know, we've got another uh, virus variant coming out there and all of a sudden they want to institute all these lockdowns and mandates and things again that didn't work the first or second time around you know and um i believe that the um the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result and the good thing is and the one thing to keep in mind europe's doing the same thing australia's doing the same thing all they know is one one speed one move lockdown Ban. Yeah. Go home. Yeah, you're fired. Yeah. Get a man. Get a get a vaccine, or you're fired. And believe me, you know Republicans are making an overture to anyone who Republican governors are making an overture to anyone who lost their job, first responder, hospital worker, whatever it is, because of not getting a vaccine mandate. Uh, if it happened in your state and it's a federal move, federal government job, they'll still provide benefits. I thought that was pretty good. Al, listening on KDWN in Las Vegas. Hey, Al. Hey, how you doing, Brian? Thank you for taking my call. No problem. Always uh, love KDWN listeners. What's on your mind? Hey, listen. Uh, the thing is that I think you said it perfectly, and this is what every this is the message to America: is that Fauci is a political scientist. He has been from the very beginning. We knew he was just catering to politics. He loves the limelight. Something is up. Something is fishy. Since the very beginning, now we know that this is an RNA virus. You can't vaccinate your way out of it. Okay? Natural immunity is working. And there's a lot of things that I can say, just like the other caller uh, stated. We have to keep our eye on Florida with the monoclonal um, uh, um, antibody treatment. That seems to be the solution. 
and we'll see how Florida uh, pans out on this. But they have the lowest numbers in the nation. And um, Ron DeSantis knows what he's doing. Yeah, great point. Al, good point. Why don't we ever study success? Why don't we study successful stories? Why aren't we continuing to look at what's happening at the border? Two million unvaccinated people, 20% minimum, have the virus already. But yet we're the problem. Firefighters in New York are the problem. Cops in New York are the problem because they're not vaccinated. Uh, Basketball players in the NBA are a problem because uh, Kyrie Irving's not vaccinated. That's how ridiculous this is. And I think you see the idiocy in it. And we do not study the governor, Ron DeSantis, who, if Donald Trump doesn't win, is likely to get the Republican nomination uh, because all he has is success and a track record. He's the one who came out and said, live your life, but do it responsibly. Here are the rules. If you are immunocompromised, if you are elderly, you've got to get vaccinated, but I'm not going to make you. It's going to be up to you. And we keep in mind, there has been no study, effective study that shows if you have a breakthrough for the vaccinated person who has a breakthrough, uh, you spread it any more than if you are unvaccinated with if you're unvaccinated and you actually get the virus. But so many people just don't seem to understand that what happened in in uh, what happened in Florida is the template for the country. That's why people are going there. Not only the tax, no state taxes, believe me, they hit you hard on property taxes. Not only no state taxes, not only is the weather better, but the governor lets you live your life. And even though it doesn't have the rich history of New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, and maybe uh, not the scenery of those, it's got different attributes. More importantly, gives you quality of life. And you just feel as though your government's not working against you. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Go to BrianKilme.com, order the podcast. And if you want the President and Freedom Fighter, go to BrianKilme.com. Just click on uh, the book, and it'll bring you to my local bookstore. I can personalize it for you. We'll send it out before Christmas. And no supply chain problems. The book was printed in America. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1 408 7669. In a little while, we're going to have Michael Goodwin, in a matter of moments, I should say, and Britt Hume to put uh, politics in perspective along with this new variant that is now knocking on our door, which you're overreacting to. So, uh, also, I'd like to thank everyone that keeps the President Freedom Fighter on the bestseller list. Truly appreciate and I love talking about it. Uh, on December 3rd, that's this Friday, on Fox Nation, I'm going to stream a show uh, from, from the stage where I have a chance to talk about all my history books, five of them, uh, from George Washington's Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, and now the President Freedom Fighter. And it's my personal pushback on the 1619 Project and the the war against American history. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I want a white hot economy that will raise wages at the bottom, which is happening, that will bring people back in the labor force, which is happening, which is spreading wealth around the country and not concentrating in a few cities. I have high tolerance for inflation in this kind of economy because I think we need it as a society to heal. Uh, that is David Brooks. I guess he was a conservative at one point on PBS talking about no big deal about inflation, the economy, where we stand, we are struggling, and why the president's reconciliation bill will make things worse. What will it actually do? We're going to talk about the state of the economy, but most importantly, how it affects you. Number two. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. 
that's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. Really? He is science? What an egomaniac. Fauci wanted a fight, and he's got it. He's taking on Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and Republicans as he's about to dial in his lockdown, shutdown policies that failed in the past. Are we really going to go along with this again? Does he fully know what he is getting into? Number one. I think it's unfortunately very punitive, and we could have accomplished a lot of what we're seeking to accomplish with these restrictions, perhaps by increasing requirements on travelers. But we didn't need to close off travel, and unfortunately we're punishing South Africa for doing the right thing. Yeah, that is so true, and that is Dr. Scott Gottlieb of CBS. No good deed goes unpunished. As South Africa announces a new strain and gets rewarded with a massive African travel ban from around the world. Can you believe this? What we now know and what we plan to do about the Omicron variant. With me right now is Michael Goodwin. Wrote a great column about the reconciliation package. I'll get to that, Michael, because part of our discussion is the economy. But I do want to get your take on what I think is a severe overreaction on a variant that has mild symptoms, Omicron in South Africa. Yes, good morning, Brian. Um, it was almost at like a Pavlovian response, right? Uh, the, the, minute, the minute this was thrown out there, everybody assumed the positions that they'd held before without knowing much about it. It, it did seem a rush to judgment. Uh, and I look, I think among the political class now especially, there is this, this thing almost now that they've decided, uh, particularly on the left, the president, uh, that you've got to do the most extreme thing immediately, or otherwise you're not being tough enough. Otherwise you're being wishy-washy. These are dangerous uh, ideas to hold, that that your first move has to be dramatic and and so strong that you won't be criticized for not doing enough. And I, And I think that you know, you can also be criticized for doing the wrong thing, for doing too much uh, when given that the the impact of some of these moves. I mean, the governor of New York, just as Biden did his uh, travel ban, the governor of New York uh, declared a state of emergency, which would have the effect of shutting down all um, uh, non-emergency surgery in New York state. Now, that is a dramatic move, given what we saw the last time, that once you impose these these states of emergency, they tend to last for a very long time. You had all kinds of people not able to get uh, testing for cancers, not able to do routine surgeries that, uh, you know, for the patients is a quality of life, sometimes life itself. And for these hospitals, I mean, they hemorrhage money if they aren't providing services. I mean, unfortunately, they need, they need to do surgery to, to pay their surgeons, to pay their staff, to put, turn on the heat and, and uh, the lights. So- and, Michael, the other thing is with the vaccination, we've lost nurses, doctors, and just hospital workers, and we had to close Mount Sinai. And now when you go do this, this governor, I mean, she's new to the job, and she has the same health geniuses with the that Cuomo had, and he couldn't get out of his own way. We still lead the the nation in deaths, but yet we still currently have low cases. Do they understand that we don't need somebody to wipe our nose? We get this? This is in 2019? Well, but I think that's exactly the point, Brian, that— if if you don't do something dramatic immediately, you're viewed as weak or maybe even 
a Republican, right? If, if you don't shut things down, if you don't have a travel ban now, I mean, the, the Democrats and the left have become the party of extreme me- measures, and that is now their t- litmus test for each other. And I think that Biden fell into that trap. I think Hochul fell into the trap. We can certainly assume Gavin Newsom will. Uh, Lori uh, Lightfoot in Chicago. I mean, they will all race to the barricades to show that they are being uh, extremely tough because that's what they now require of themselves and each other. It's a kind of mania all of its own. Absolutely. So, Michael Goodwin, our guest, uh, I have a couple of topics to get to with you, but I just want to give you an idea. Now, uh, with the travel ban, Tom Cotton brought it up first. The president a week later put it into play. The Chinese would not be transparent with us. They, we still, they still haven't. They didn't tell us what was going to hit us. 750,000 Americans are dead. So South Africa says, I've learned from that. Hey, world, we got this variant. Kind of might be resistant to the vaccines, but it's mild symptoms so far. And they're rewarded with a travel ban, which means no other country is going to do this because now they're going to be by be hit politically and economically with this travel ban. And so are the rest of the world. And among the people who are critical of this is Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He says there is he tweeted this out. There's too much we don't know to impose economic, social and ruinous policies on South Africa and other nations. Ready, fire, aim is not a prudent public policy. So no one's even it's just Anthony Fauci politicians making knee jerk reactions as if we haven't learned anything at all. Final thought on this. Well, look, I I don't see the science. I I mean, where is the data that says this variant is so lethal that we have to do the most extreme things that we've done in the past, which is travel bans and shutdowns and shut down hospitals effectively, things like that? Where is the science that says this, this variant meets that standard? We haven't seen it. We've seen quite the opposite. We've seen reports from South Africa that say that it, it may be very contagious, but it also seems to have mild symptoms. Uh, So we just don't know. That's the point, that that jumping to the extreme without more knowledge just seems to be some kind of reflex rather than thoughtful, considered decisions based on science. Absolutely. So Anthony Fauci decides to do a long-form interview, did every network except ours, uh, long-form interviews yesterday, at which time he was asked about his critics. Listen to what he said about his critics. Cut 17. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. (laughs) I have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? Do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect from President Trump? Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. I mean... That's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. Really? Isn't that interesting? Brings up January 6th. What does that have to do with the science? Fauci, I think, long ago squandered any uh, credibility he had as a, as a scientist. Um, he's clearly played politics. He's clearly showed bad judgment. Uh, he admits that he lied in the beginning about masks. I mean, people, people in government, it is amazing to me, Brian, that, that so many smart people in government don't get the simple credibility test. 
that once you have been revealed as doing something other than for the reasons you gave at the time, you have really damaged yourself. And, and Fauci, rather than recover that credibility, it seems to me increasingly digs his hole deeper. He just keeps digging in to say that I am science, right? I am, think of that, that, that if you criticize me, you are criticizing science. I mean, his ego has gotten the better of him, and that's a very dangerous position because this, this is now a man who says you cannot criticize right. me legitimately. That, that, that's no longer a human being. He set himself up as some kind of demigod uh, that we all just have to obey instead of even questioning and let alone criticizing. But I mean, he brings is, up, yeah, he brings up January sixth. That's your show, and he says Rachel Maddow's his favorite show. I mean, you guys, you got to be kidding me. So, real quick on the economy, you wrote about it in the reconciliation package. You know, inflation, supply chain. The president gave it lip service. He realizes his poll numbers are in the toilet. Now he's going to make a speech about it, going to talk about the supply chain, but he's not doing anything about it. Uh, I want you to hear what David Brooks said about inflation and the economy and and the reconciliation package. Cut 29. I want a white hot economy that will raise wages at the bottom, which is happening, that will bring people back in the labor force, which is happening, which is spreading wealth around the country and not concentrating in a few cities. I have high tolerance for inflation in this kind of economy because I think we need it as a society to heal. To heal what? What is he talking about? And by the way, it's not spreading across the country. Wages are going up slower than inflation. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, David Brooks, I think, is just trying to keep his head above water at the New York Times and his leftist media pals that uh, he's got to find something nice to say about Joe Biden. And I think that was it. Uh, it seems like a fairly uh, tepid uh, support to me that inflation is good. Uh, I, I don't know any economist who thinks that the inflation of the kind we're talking about, meaning six and seven percent, is good. Uh, try getting a home mortgage or a car loan once that hits, let alone paying your grocery and light bills. Uh, look, Brian, I think that the the Build Back Better uh, legislation has become uh, the White House's answer to everything that ails America. And I say somewhat half-jokingly that uh, any day now uh, we'll be told that Build Back Better is the answer to the, uh, the new COVID scare. Uh, we, that's why we have to pass it. I mean, first it was, it was the answer to everything, and then it was the answer to inflation, and now it will be the answer to COVID. Uh, the reality is uh, this presidency is, is a mess. Uh, Joe, it's not just Joe Biden's poll numbers. It's when you look inside those polls, what people are saying. They don't, they don't like really any of his policies. He's underwater on everything, and he can't answer questions. Uh, he always just turns his back on the media. And you have the incoherence of things like shutting down the Keystone XL pipeline and then telling Russia and OPEC to drill, baby, drill. Uh, things like that that are just so contradictory and incoherent, you wonder, what is yeah. this presidency about? What does it really stand for? What does he believe in? It's about and ineptness. I want you to hear the other thing on the same thing that you wrote about. So Bill Cassidy took a lot of political hay because he, he signed on the bipartisan and led, kind of led the way. 
along with Portman on the bipartisan deal, one of the 19 senators to sign on it. He said, we got all the other stuff out, but they put in the Build Back Better plan and made him look stupid and all the others that signed on to it because everything he negotiated out was put back in another plan that's going to be done without any Republican votes. And they say 17 Nobel Prize winners have all said this is going to help the economy. Listen to Cassidy yesterday, cut 34. So those 17 Nobel Prize, if you go back, Glenn Kessler in the Washington Post looked at them. They said that was the bill they had then, not the bill they have now. And they point out that if you are going to avoid inflation, then you've got to be able to pay for it. The Wharton School of Business has a better analysis. Their analysis is that it's about $1.53 billion in new revenue. But as it's probably going to be implemented, as those things that don't sunset or uh, that are supposed to sunset don't, it's going to cost $4.65 trillion. $4.65 trillion on top of what the federal government is going to pay. So we, the, you don't spend your way out of this with programs that are going to be unsustainable and unaffordable. It's just nuts, along with billions for the IRS to go investigate us. Well, you know, and that's another point about, about uh, the incoherence. I mean, this is Joe Biden, the supposed, supposed moderate, saying that all this would be paid for. It would cost zero. And then you see, well, that's not true. I mean, that they've, that they've masqueraded the real cost by the way they've written the legislation as though these things are all going to sunset. I mean, it's just incoherent. It doesn't make any sense. And yet they keep pushing it. Uh, and, and that's why I think that the, the public, you know, is not stupid. There's something wrong with the Biden White House. And people may not know exactly what it is that's bothering them. They may not like this. They, may not, they certainly didn't like Afghanistan the way he did that, the way he lied about that to our NATO allies, the way he lied about it to the American public. But they know there's something wrong there. They know that Kamala Harris is not the answer. And if I, if I were uh, in the White House or a top Democratic leader, I'd be very worried about what is the bench strength of this party? Where, where is the Democratic strength? I mean, are we back to Beto O'Rourke again? Are we Pete Buttigieg? Pete Buttigieg is the future of the Democratic Party. Party. Uh, these, I would think, would be worrisome signs to the White House, but they don't seem to know how to turn this around. They keep repeating the same mistakes over and over, looking for kind of a Hail Mary every day and and not coming up with anything that I think is actionable or sustainable. It's nuts. And, and Democrats, they can't even spin their way out of it. They got nothing good to report on. They got numbers that people don't feel. They have uh, uh, energy prices that people uh, can relate to uh, the numbers that they have, and people can't are, are not going back to work, and he's doing nothing to push push that out. Uh, Michael, it's frustrating, but I'm glad you wrote, wrote about it. Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor, appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. When we come back, Britt Hume, Brian Kilmeade show. Don't move. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The marketplace is worried about two things. One, that yet another variant of COVID is going to hit demand hard. We travel less, we go out to restaurants less, and we may have additional restrictions that are imposed on us. That's issue number one. And issue number two, the marketplace is worried also that this will cause more inflation that supply chains will be disrupted even more. Those two things together, Trace, low growth, high inflation, are stagflation, 
And that's what the market is worried about right now. So that's Mohamed Elbarian. He's a respected economist with the uh, Alliance, a chief economic advisor. Not totally against the Build Back Better plan, the reconciliation package. But when he sees those slow reactions of the Fed and everybody else when it comes to inflation, he gets worried about a recession. But he also is worried about this variant because of the ripple effect of making these moves that are supposedly going to keep us safe. My proposal is do not make a single do not make a single move without an economist and psychologist around you. If I'm president of the United States, do not just listen to one portion. It's a third is the science. The other two thirds are the reality that we live in, and then you weigh the ramifications of this hide in the corner policy and program. Brit Hume is next. He'll put it in perspective like nobody else. So glad you're here. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Should we expect to be seeing more lockdowns again, new lockdowns, more mandates? You know, I don't know, George. It's really too early to say. We just really need to, as I've said so often, prepare for the worst. And it may not be that we're going to have to go the route that people are saying. We don't know a lot about this virus, so we want to prepare as best as we can But it may turn out that this preparation, although important, may not necessarily push us to the next level. Does he not understand this ramifications to preparing for the worst? Where you huddle in the back, you declare an emergency, you ban nations. Do they understand that there's an economic and psychological ramification to everything that he does? Uh, I don't think our political leaders do. For some reason, they still worship at the throne of Anthony Fauci. Britt Hume, Fox News senior political analyst, uh, joins us now. Britt, we got a new variant to talk about. Do you like the way we've reacted? No, it looks to me like we're freaking out again uh, and making the same kinds of mistakes that we made the first and second, third time around. So it's so disappointing in that we have a South African country who comes to South Africa, comes forward and says, listen, I see this variant. It's it, it's giving us some trouble when it comes to the vaccines, but we're only 27 percent vaccinated and we do have mild symptoms. But we're just telling you about it. And there's a next thing you know, the snap of a finger, Europe, Israel, the U.S. bans these countries, eight African nations. There's ripple effects to that. There are ripple effects to that, and this has been the issue from the very beginning of the pandemic, and that is that in our efforts to stamp it out, to stop it in its tracks, which was probably never going to be possible, um, we undertook all sorts of, uh, of, of efforts without ever seriously considering the side effects of those efforts. You know, Trump um, may have made a lot of mistakes on this, but he was right when he said you don't want a situation where the cure is worse than the disease. When you think of the, the, the school days missed by kids, school year really, uh, how, how, how much that contributes to continued inequality and in educational outcomes that these poor kids who, you know, who, many of whose parents don't even have a computer in the house, or, who are struggling to try to, to, to be educated in this setting where you know, they're really not in school, they're really not getting instruction and so on. It's very serious. And, and you have health, health outcomes affected by the fact that people uh, missed appointments for screenings and, and treatment and so on for cancer and other diseases. Um, the supply chain problems we're having are a consequence of COVID and the restrictions that were placed on travel and, on, and, and with people out of work and so on. So we're going to be feeling the pain from this for a long time. And See, we never looked at it ser- seriously. I just wonder, you know, you, there has to be an economic and psychological component to every decision made. And I think that the the so-called uh, experts like Anthony Fauci just have so, have have run of the palace. 
Here's Dr. Scott well, Gottlieb, who I think you think you agree with me is pretty competent. Listen to what he said. Cut five. I think it's unfortunately very punitive, and we could have accomplished a lot of what we're seeking to accomplish with these restrictions, perhaps by increasing requirements on travelers, requiring that they be vaccinated and also have a negative PCR test in the last 24 hours. Um, you know, these kinds of restrictions are going to reduce introductions. They could buy us perhaps a couple of weeks, yeah. but we didn't need to close off travel. And unfortunately, we're punishing South Africa for doing the right thing and telling other nations that, you know, who want to sequence strains that they find, um, that we're giving them real disincentive to do that. So, so you understand that we, we're punishing South Africa for doing what we wanted China to do. Exactly right. Um, and, you know, the, the experience in South Africa, they've only, first of all, there have only been a few cases of these. And the doctor who was the one of the ones who reported this in South Africa, who's, who has seen patients, they're not that many, but she's probably seen more of them than anybody, says that the symptoms experienced so far are quite mild. And here we go again. Um, lockdowns, shutdowns, travel being shut down, people freaking out, stock market tanking, and all of this as a result of the, of the continued freakout over this that we have time and time again, and we've made the same mistake over and over again. So, you know, yesterday he took on on Face of the Nation he with Margaret Brennan. She didn't. She's usually a tough interviewer, not with him, as usual. She had this about his critics, Cut 15. All I want to do is save people's lives. I mean... Anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science. And and he goes on, cut 17. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. (laughs) I'd have to laugh at that. (laughs) I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? Wow. What does a doctor care about January 6th? Your thoughts? Well, it shows that, you know, January 6th is a uh, is an all purpose now uh, cause and uh, and and source of of blame. for all kinds of purposes. And you see, Fauci trots it out to defend himself against his critics, um, although it doesn't have anything to do that I can see with uh, this, the issue of this disease. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just, um, you know, he's reaching for whatever weapon comes to hand, and I guess that's what he, that's what he came up with. Well, it is what he came up with, but does it, I mean, does it concern you that he's still in control of all this, and he's going to be briefing us with his, with his recommendations, which is like it, word it, jazz? It is quite, it, he's made a lot of mistakes, um, and it concerns me that someone who has made that many mistakes is treated um, by so many as as the man who is supposed to lead us out of this and whose whose opinions on this uh, are, are still widely listened to. I, I think it's unwarranted. Absolutely. Uh, the biggest shock of all happened a few hours ago, and it's, it involves Texas, a very familiar face. Cut 42. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, it never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I going to do? 
I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, businesses, and foundations that I believe are leaders, establishments that I believe are creating pathways for people to succeed in life, organizations that have a mission to serve and build trust while also generating prosperity. That's well, that's a heck of a I'm not running speech. Are uh, you disappointed Matthew McConaughey will not be the next governor of Texas? Well, I never thought he was going to be anyway, so I guess I'm not terribly disappointed. All right. The other person in the news that I haven't heard you comment on yet, uh, Enos Cantor. He's taking on China, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and uh, President Biden for not taking on this demon of a nation uh, that has poisoned the world and uh, started Muslim concentration camps. Cut 41. I mean, it's the greatest country in the world. And I actually, not many people know this, and this is the first time I'm actually saying it on, on live. And I passed my citizenship test, and the end of this month, I'm actually getting this uh, sworn in and becoming an official American uh, citizen, and I cannot wait. So he's taking on China, clearly an enemy of our country, certainly a rival, and he's doing it, taking on the NBA uh, for doing business over there, and he loves to, he can't wait to be an American citizen. Why are we the only station really covering this? Well, it's because, you know, it's not politically correct. Uh, at this point, and it, and it dovetails to a considerable extent with where the administration has been on this, um, and that's where you know, and, it, and that's where a lot of journalists uh, take their cues. Journalists take their cues by and large from Democrats, and what the Democrats are focused on uh, is what they'll focus on. Um, and what the Democrats are claiming, they will tend—not always, but will tend—to believe as if it were revealed truth. This has been going on for a very long time. It's worse now than it's ever been. Uh, Brad, are you still having a good time? Yeah, I still uh, look forward to being a, you know, part of our coverage and on from time to time. And um, yeah, it gives me something to think about in my dotage. <laughs> <laughs> You're still at the top of your game. Brad Hume, always great having you on. Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's good to talk to you as always. Go get him. Uh, Brit Hume, always great to put in perspective. one 408 We'll come back and we'll find out what's on your mind because you're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. But I actually think those mandates actually are are hardening those individuals who are not interested in getting vaccinated. If you go around uh, our state and you you talk to those individuals that have not gotten vaccinated, um, in in large measure, a lot of them uh, have gotten the, the virus and so they believe they have some natural immunity and they were thinking about getting vaccinated as they got beyond the 90 days or got beyond the 180 days. But the president's insistence on mandating them uh, have hardened them against the vaccine. So I actually think it's the president's policies that have uh, made it more difficult in rural states like Mississippi uh, to get more and more people vaccinated. Right. I mean, people have a little bit of pride. They don't want to be told what to do, And period, especially in a land of liberty. Number two is mandate fire me or mandate when you already told us you were going to do it. More going back on your word. That was Governor Tate Reeves, whose numbers are going down. Uh, in Missouri, uh, Mississippi, excuse me, and uh, they're going down right now. And he says, I tell people to get vaccinated. I got vaccinated on Facebook Live, but I am not going to go out there and make everyone do it or fire them and destroy their livelihoods. Governor Asa Hutchinson, numbers are down in their state, but vaccination lags behind. 
He is somebody Democrats love to interview. Cut 24. What we've seen is that through education, through information, vaccination rates go up, and that's more productive than a mandate that comes down that people instinctively resist. And so you have to know uh, the culture. You have to know uh, what, uh, how people respond to it. And in Arkansas, uh, that information-based uh, education uh, is what is working and will be effective. The mandates are not something that the people of Arkansas are going to respond well to. Yeah, because we always see that you, you have your mass mandate, you're playing games. Look at the front page of the New York Post today. It's, in, it's a New York newspaper, yes, but it's national. They have Joe Biden, a big sign that says required face covering. There's a picture of you could see him through the window not wearing a mask. I don't think you should be wearing a mask indoors anyway. I'm done with the masks, okay? Keep your distance, get your inoculation, or don't. I'm done with it. The downside is too great. And now they're playing little games to play, pretend that they're on this variant, so they're sitting in the White House, and we're taking pictures of them all sitting there in masks, even though they're vaccinated. And do you know that to work in the White House, you don't have to be vaccinated? Do you know if you work in Congress, you don't have to be vaccinated? But, of course, we have to everywhere you go. In private business, you don't, even though if they had their way, they would do it. So in the big picture, the problem is the tone and tenure, and he ran on one thing, and he's doing the exact opposite. Remember he ran and he condemned the president? He said nobody who has deaths this high should be president of the United States. He's got more deaths. We're not even done with the year yet. Remember when he actually told us he can in this country mandate anything? We can urge them to do something. Remember when he put down the vaccine? Now he's saying take the vaccine if you're a federal government worker or a contractor or you get fired. Senator Bill Cassidy, a doctor on this. Cut 27. One beef I've had, and I think it's a very valid beef, it's clear that previous infection gives immunity. Uh, Dr. Fauci has said that in a committee hearing. There's been no analysis as to the effect, as to the longevity of that or anything else that folks would want to know. I've been previously infected. Am I immune? CDC is totally not interested in looking at that. I think the American people know they're being gamed a little bit. I would still get vaccinated. The CDC should get on their job and do that, do that work, too. Right. That's true. And then you should look at success stories. You love when, when it's trouble, problematic for Ron DeSantis to go out and say, take off the mask. Forget about keeping your distance. Get vaccinated, especially if you have underlying conditions or a senior. But what they've done is by letting people live their lives and making their own intelligent decisions, they have um, – and when federal government doesn't step in or small municipalities don't decide to push back, they, they, uh, they sit there and wait for things to go up. When they go down and he has the lowest rates in the country, they don't say a word. Congressman Carlo Jimenez was on Fox & Friends this weekend and talked about what it's like uh, in Florida where he's a representative of 28 our governor actually follows data, and that's why he's so successful. He doesn't really care what the, the uh, uh, mainstream media says or, or wants him to do. He does what he thinks is the right thing following the data. And you know what? Uh, more often than not, he's absolutely right. And when he's proven right, everybody's mum, they're always criticizing him. Hey, you got really high, high numbers here. But uh, when he actually is proven right, they don't give him the credit that he's due. He's a great governor. He's following the data. And he's leading our state. Uh, and really, the rest of the country should be following our lead here in Florida. He is. He's got the Marine background. He's got the Ivy League graduate. He's been a congressman, a businessman. His wife is um, looks actually like Jackie O, actually um, uh, better athlete. Uh, she's an unbelievable golfer, was an anchor locally. They got married. I had a chance to do a day with him. And, you know, he's confident, not cocky. 
They say he's not warm. I thought he was perfectly warm, but he's not phony. He's not pandering. He's not going to cry with you. Uh, not that he doesn't feel and want to help you, but he's going to do it with action. I think his military background certainly helps that. I think he was he was a Marine. In fact, he got married in his uniform. So I think that's one of the keys. So number one, when you're in a economic downturn, when you have challenges, don't keep spending. The $1.9 trillion was a huge mistake. We didn't need it. It kept people out of work. Then he tries to, he gets the bipartisan deal. You waited on it for three months. And now he wants to jam down our throats the two point or the $1.5 trillion, which I think is now around close to $1.9 and $2 trillion. And Joe Manchin wants no part of it. And so do other moderates that need to be blocked. And some in the House need to be blocked from this. Heidi Heitkamp thinks it's going to get done. She's a former senator from North Dakota. She thinks that the election loss will spur this gain. Cut 35. Oh, I think it will get done. I think there is so much pressure now after the Virginia election, you know, where where and, and now we see Biden's numbers sliding. I think there is a kind of a come to Jesus moment among the Democratic factions, if you say, to let's get this done. Let's let's spend a year talking about the great things, implementing, doing our ribbon cuttings or whatever it is. I think that there is a whole recalibration that occurred after Virginia with these poll numbers. So I agree with with Amy, I think it's going to get done. But why would it get done if you already saw the American public were rejecting your uh, policies and the spending program where individually, if you tell someone, I'm going to give you free health care, free uh, preschool, going to give you free community college, I don't know what's going to end up in. I'm going to restore your deductions for state taxes, going to help the rich people, uh, or middle class to upper, going to restore all that in those high tax states. You'd say, oh, yeah, okay, all right, that's good. All right, I don't have to pay preschool. Okay, fine. And then they say, well, overall, what's it going to do? Well, we're also going to mobilize and radicalize the IRS. We're going to put $86 billion into it to hire thousands of agents to, ra- to rattle your cage and make see if we can squeeze anything more out of you. This is not to go after Amazon. It's going to go after everybody with access to your checking accounts. Number two, the thing that is most disturbing about this, they're disincentivizing any fossil fuel drilling and exploration, as well as fracking, which he said he wouldn't do. And they're pushing to set up a green militia that's going to walk around and try to make see if they find anyone littering or, or drilling. We're not, the technology is not ready for us to turn over to a green energy country. So until then, the president's hurting us by pushing for all these initiatives, and that's in this project. And that's what's going to come up. They think it's going to pass before the new year. Really? You have to fund the government. You've got to raise the debt ceiling. You've got to handle the defense funding bill, which in 60 years always gets funded. But even Republicans, some of them are blocking that for ridiculous reasons. So... They got all that to do and then pass this simple reconciliation package, knowing that they're going to blow up what the House gave them and they're going to tear it up for the Senate. That's not going to have any tax increases for upper or corporations because Joe Manchin doesn't want them. Amazing. Hey, go to BrianKilmead.com or to the podcast. If you cannot afford or can't find time to listen to us live, we'd appreciate it. And go to BrianKilmead.com to get the president and freedom fighter personalized, if you will. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. We have a lot to discuss this hour, a lot of breaking news around the world. Also, this Twitter CEO uh, has just resigned. So we don't know what is behind that, but you know, a lot of times they just do what Jeff Bezos done. And they just since they started it, 
um, Jack Dorsey. Uh, since they started, they'll just go to another position within the company or just be the uh, an investor in the company and still hold a majority of the shares. Uh, it looks like uh, Dorsey will remain on the board until his term expires. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't have to work again the rest of his life. In a letter passed on the Twitter account, Dorsey said he was really sad yet really happy about leaving the company. That was all his decision. So he's under a lot of uh, uh, stress, perhaps, but he's clearly he made a political decision uh, to side with Democrats in everything he does and deny it. Let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I want to wait on an economy that will raise wages at the bottom, which is happening, that will bring people back in the labor force, which is happening, which is spreading wealth around the country and not concentrating in a few cities. I have high tolerance for inflation in this kind of economy because I think we need it as a society to heal. Yeah, that is uh, David Brooks, supposedly conservative columnist on PBS, talking about the economy. Inflation, not a bad thing. Really? Reconciliation package. Might as well pass it. That's a conservative? Number two. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. That's dangerous. To me, that's more dangerous than the slings and the arrows that get thrown at me. Really? Dr. Fauci wanted a fight, and he's got it. He takes on Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and the entire Republican Party. He's about to dial in another lockdown, shutdown, policies of the past. They have not worked. Are we really going to go along with this again? Does he fully know what's getting into? Number one. I think it's unfortunately very punitive, and we could have accomplished a lot of what we're seeking to accomplish with these restrictions, perhaps by increasing requirements on travelers. But we didn't need to close off travel, and unfortunately we're punishing South Africa for doing the right thing. That is so true. Dr. Scott Gottlieb of CBS. No good deed goes unpunished. South Africa announces new strains and gets rewarded with a massive African travel ban. And America and the rest of the world uh, is borderline panicking. What we know now and what we plan to do about the Omicron strain of the virus. Let's bring in Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News contributor, author of the new book, author of the book COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science. Dr. Siegel, welcome back. Brian, always great to be on with you. Thanks for having me. I know they called you right away when this when this news came out, uh, and all of a sudden the shutdowns began, not just here in America, but around the globe. Israel, most of Europe, they're, they're banning eight different African nations. First off, how would you describe it? I describe it as this way. They're sick horses, they've escaped the barn, and now the barn is under quarantine. Now, how useful is that, Brian? That's what's happened. I mean, in other words, it's not the South African medical system that's the problem here. And Dr. Gottlieb's right about that. I think they did a pretty good job of surveillance and early detection. But it's the World Health Organization, as usual, that was slow to respond, you know, at least by days, if not by weeks. And by the time they were calling it a... a, uh, a variant of concern, it already had spread around the world. So there, in that sense, the what the, the travel restrictions and bans do, and they're just restrictions, really, because what happens is people come in from another country, so you don't know where they originated, and the airline doesn't have to tell you, Brian. I found that out at Dulles at the beginning of this pandemic, and people, you know, slip in undetected. So it's already here in the United States, pretty almost definitely, and so the restrictions spread fear, and fear is the biggest thing we have going right now. Right now, it's causing the markets to crash. It's causing everybody to, to jump to the worst case scenario. And it may very well actually not happen the way that it's being forecast. As they say, you're not going to know anything. This is what uh, Dr. This is what the White House tweeted out. Dr. Fauci informed the president that while it will take approximately two more weeks to have more definitive information on transmissibility and severity, 
uh, and other characteristics of the variant. Existing vaccines are likely to provide a degree of protection. He also is uh, recommending this a booster shot as well. But he says he does not know if any of this will be effective because one of the things they're reporting from South Africa, this may be resistant, vaccine resistant. Are you hearing that? Yeah, and, and with all of these mutations, there's, it's no doubt that it's not going to be as effective as previous iterations. I think it will still be affected, Brian, Brian, and that's why I think that the vaccine and the booster help, plus having recovered from COVID and having antibodies and T-cells from that are going to help. So all the, all, immunity, all the immunity you have, the better. I do not believe it won't be effective as, at all because the mutations only affect about 5% of the spike protein. So no matter how many you have, the vaccines probably offer some effect. But let's talk about mutations for a minute. That's a scare word. You know, people hear the word mutations, they think of science fiction. And I, and I think that the way this has been messaged has caused a tremendous amount of unnecessary fear. It, it, it should be more like science is trying to figure out things before they can harm you rather than sending, you know, tolling doom here. Yeah, well, a couple of things uh, that come to mind in this. You don't want to be slow because the Delta variant, we watched these uh, bodies pile up in India, for example, and we saw that the Delta variant was creating some havoc in England, and we didn't react at all. But it was a different variant. Clearly, it was much more severe than this one. They say so far the symptoms have been mild, and they're with young people. Yeah, that's a really good point to make. And again, we don't have the we don't have the final answer on that yet. But I want to, and that's something to also keep in mind: the fact that we don't know something doesn't mean it's going to end up being bad. And you pointed out something that's been true in in past pandemics. I think your listeners need to know that in 1918, everybody wonders how'd that end, right? How'd that end? No vaccines. Nobody knew what flu was. How did it end? It ended because milder strains that were more contagious took over, and that may very well be the the case here. Now, I don't want to say this with any certainty, but if this one's milder and it causes less symptoms and gets you less sick, but is more contagious than Delta, that'll actually end up helping us because we want the predominant strains to be milder. That's better for us from a public health point of view. Because they're not going to go away. So a couple of things. We want countries to be transparent. South Africa does. China still hasn't. One of the reasons we have 750,000 dead is we still don't know how this virus started. But what kind of message are we sending to South Africa and other countries that if you have a variant, don't report it because you're going to hurt these countries economically and stop their citizens and our citizens from traveling there? Now, I don't know if Botswana is on your travel list, but and they don't really want to be in a situation where people can't come and go, correct? Yeah, and you don't want to be casting fingers and, and spotlighting people or situations or countries that are already poor unless you're actually accomplishing something from a public health point of view. And again, this virus is in multiple countries already, this, this, this variant, and it's almost definitely here in the United States. And we're going to find that out in the next few days and a week. And I don't think we're accomplishing anything by putting a rope around a country when it's already escaped the country. I don't think that that adds anything other than, than as you said, you know, people get feel that feel that they're being targeted, and that doesn't help at all. A couple of things. Were you surprised that Anthony Fauci went after Republicans uh, in his uh, in his challenge? I want you to hear what he said, and tell me if this really jives with the way you were brought up and trained when it comes to politics and medicine. Um, here's, here's what he said. I believe we have it's cut. Um, where's, the, where's the cut where he— he talks about to Margaret Brennan. 
All I want to do is save people's lives. I mean, anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there, so it's easy to criticize. But they're really criticizing science because I represent science. If I criticize you, Dr. Siegel, am I criticizing science? If I criticize Dr. Fauci, am I against science? If I, if I have a problem with the Giants, do I, do, am I criticizing football? No, but you should have a problem with the Giants, by the way, Brian. Not this weekend. They played good defense, at least. Yeah, that's a good point. But listen, here's the deal. Nobody represents science. And what science is, is continuing inquiry. Science is questioning yourself, not asserting that you are science. Science is saying, maybe I should learn from the other scientists, or maybe there's something evolving today that I didn't think about. Maybe it's it's changing. Maybe maybe it's, it's... Science is humble. Science is humility. Now, Dr. Fauci is a got a tremendous background as a scientist, but he is not science and clearly has been wrong at various times during this pandemic. I, I think we have had too much politics in this pandemic for sure, but it is but it is not coming from one place. It's coming from all places. And there's, it's not helpful to say you are science. Here's what he was critical and he went after, he said, uh, he told Senator Cruz, Ted Cruz, instead of coming after me, where were you January 6th? I'm pretty sure there wasn't science involved in January 6th. So it just shows you how political he's getting. But I want you to hear what he also said about President Trump's uh, policy, Cut 18. You were quoted as saying it was the worst possible decision for the Trump administration to have left things up to the states. Yeah. Where do you rank that? I rank that right there, maybe a little bit below some of the things you're talking about, but way up there. As biggest mistakes they made. What do you think? Well, the problem is that that hasn't changed. I mean, I, I think, I think you know, if you're going to have a national response, you have a national response. But speaking of national responses, what President Trump had was Operation Warp Speed, which is unprecedented in history. And how about giving him credit for that? He took, he, he, took uh, he took credit for it. In it, he said, <laughs> the first thing I did is tell everyone at the mRNA group, had a meeting in my office and said, start working on mRNA answers. Well, I, I have information that, that, that Robert Redfield had a lot to do with that, truthfully. But that aside, what do you think Operation Warp Speed is? Putting the military together with the CDC, with scientists everywhere? That's a, that's a classic Trump deal, isn't it? The art of the deal. Yeah. And I want to say, by the way, where's, where's the Operation Warp Speed type of deal now with testing? We need rapid testing in every home. We're not getting it. I don't, I don't see the, the unified national response that, that, that the Trump administration was criticized for not having. I mean, there were press conferences every day. There was every scientist involved. There was all hands on deck. There was, again, vaccines produced and therapeutics. I mean, President Trump very excited, excited about therapeutics when I interviewed him. And now here they are. All of this r- rapid biotechnology was begun and, and cultivated under the Trump administration. The last thing, when it comes to this on the states, Here's the, the when you have 50 states who are so dramatically different from weather to location, to, you know, 3,000 miles away from coast to coast. Got it? We understand that. So if we get if New York is getting hit, you don't want a federal response that is going to affect Arizona because later it would ripple through Arizona and it would recede in New York. Why do you want them under the same restrictions as Arizona? And when Florida yeah. got hit. And then uh, New York was let up. Do you want New York under the same restrictions as Florida when they're the, when they're the hot spot? 
So there are there are pluses and minuses to all of this. But to say absolutely a federal response for a country this size, to me, you embitter people when they know the virus is not in your city, your state, your county, and you're forced to deal with it. For example, New York's fine. Michigan isn't. Florida is the best. So why should we be pretending like it was three months ago in Florida? That was Trump's approach. Was that wrong? No, that's a brilliant point you just made. And speaking of Florida, Florida kept their schools open. Florida was very progressive about this. Florida looked at nursing homes as a real potential problem and zoomed in at the beginning while Governor Cuomo, as you know, was then Governor Cuomo, at least we can add that, then Governor Cuomo was sending people to their death in nursing homes without even understanding that it's not a place to isolate infectious diseases. I mean, the the differences from state to state were dramatic. And your point, look, Florida's hot. Florida. Florida's warm. You can do more things outside. Governor DeSantis focused on keeping businesses open, hugely successful in Florida. State-to-state variances, depending on how much virus there is in the midst and what your ability is to defend against it, has is absolutely right, Brian. That's the right approach. Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned, by the way, on the flip side of that, about how poorly California has handled this pandemic at times, with all kinds of hypocrisy, with governors going to uh, – unbelievable, still governors governor going to uh, the French Laundry and closing outdoor restaurants at a time when no spread was going on there. So that's the downside of, of, of state-run situations. It depends on the state. Right. Oh, well, you see, and then with the mandates, and now if you go try to do this again, we're seeing pushback in the Czech Republic, in Austria, Austria Australia. Exactly. Uh, and if you try it in England, I think you're going to get the same thing. Uh, Dr. Mark Siegel, thanks for putting this uh, strain in, per, in, pers- uh, in perspective. Great to be on with you, Brian. Thank you. All right, go get him. Uh, Dr. Mark Siegel. When we come back, I'll take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. How are you going to react to this? Do you believe we're overreacting to this? I certainly do. The market dropped 900,000 points. I know some of it's come back, but still, you realize when you do stuff like this, that everyone pays the literal price in your 401k. A lot of people don't have that much money. They're retiring now. They don't want these unnecessary gyrations. And, and this overreaction. A year and a half later, you know, what is it, thir- 15 days to slow the spread? And Anthony Fauci now wants 85% of me, uh, vaccinated, and he's not even sure that number's high enough. Don't go anywhere. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We are in this very funny period where we have transition issues. We're moving away from fossil fuel, coal, oil, and we're moving somewhere else that hasn't been built up yet. So the middle part gets enormous pressure. And that's what you're seeing with gas prices, for example, record gas prices. Why? Because of this transition. It is a transition. It will go away. In the meantime... The administration is trying to lessen it, not only by releasing supplies, but also asking other countries to do the same. And that's what we saw last week. It will have a marginal impact. It won't have a permanent impact, but it's a very important signaling. So that's just it. You want a transition. You feel it's a responsible thing, but you're, you're, the technology is not there. So you, in the meantime, we're in this no man's land where everyone's paying more for gas because you don't, don't want to use our greatest asset, and that's natural energy. Terry, listen on WSKY in Lake City, Florida. Hey, Terry. 
Hey, Brian. Uh, what bothers me is the things this administration is doing that Trump did are treated completely different, just like the travel ban. They demonized Trump, but nothing's being done about Biden. I hear you. In fact, we have that cut. Here is Joe Biden talking about the travel ban that Donald Trump put on China. The American people need to have a president who they can trust what he says about it, that he is going to act rationally about it. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, hysterical xenophobia to uh, and fear mongering to lead the way instead of science. Yeah, uh, that now it's, it's science when he does it. Right, Terry? Right, right. I just feel that the administration is trying to do as much damage as they can before 2022 and 2024. Do you think they're really trying to do damage or do you think they're just doing bad policy? They're doing bad policy, but see, they know that they're losing the American people's interest, and now they're just trying to get as much as they can in, and it's going to ruin the country, and the Republicans won't be able to fix it. Uh, is that the case, uh, Joe Manchin could save the world? I mean, if he, if he just pushes back and says, I am not doing this, I'm not going to go through with this, I'm not going to up people's taxes and spend in the middle of uh, an inflationary crisis, that could save it. And that's what's screwing it up for them. Thanks so much for the call. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Hey, when we come back, I'm going to take your calls uh, for the rest of the hour, and then find out in about fifteen minutes if there's going to be more to know. Keep in mind too, we have Jack Dorsey. The breaking news is resigning, and eventually will be out as Twitter, a company that he founded. Why are they about to do something that even he can't defend? Because he always looked half drunk anyway. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do now that he has a zillion dollars and a lot of free time. I'm sure he's a major stockholder. But man, the damage he's done. Brian Kilme Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 2022 is going to be a very dangerous year for America if something doesn't change. You've got all these crazy people pushing laws that make it harder to prosecute people, to let people out who should be in jail. And Look at what's happening throughout California where people are going into stores and cleaning out the place. You know, thousands of dollars are being taken by these flash mobs and whatever happens to them. This started with defunding the police. This concept of defunding the police has sent a signal to criminals that there are no more consequences when it comes to breaking the law. And people are not afraid of breaking the law anymore. People are emboldened to break the law. And the no-cash bail really was it. So you get out right away, and you told cops to back off. The prisons are too crowded. So you empty the prisons. You don't have the mental health facilities. Uh, you certainly don't have, uh, you don't have the cops on the streets in places like Seattle, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia. They, they went out of their way to make, and Portland, uh, Portland, uh, uh, Portland uh, out in the West Coast, not Portland, Maine. But they went out of the way to say, we want to disempower these cops. We want to have uh, cop-free zones. We want to reimagine the police in Minnesota. So you play all that, these factors together. You could not, if you were Russia and wanted to script a chaos in America, this is what you would do. So there's a story today in the New York in the in New York Post that really resonates, I think, with a lot of people listening to me. There was a man. He's in, 63 years old. His name is Augustin. Uh, uh, Augustin. What's his last name? Augustine Garcia, 63. He's charged with in Manhattan. Uh, he starts off his crime spree robbing two Manhattan strap hangers, wielding a knife uh, against one of them, and then stealing beer from a Bronx bodega, number two, in rapid succession. And then a, a, a Manhattan prosecutor twice asked that Garcia be held on bail amid the alleged crime spree. 
There wasn't enough. The judge says, no, we can't do that. The cop says, we can arrest people. We can cut, the, we can cut them loose, incarcerate them, but it's, addressing the, it's not addressing the underlying problem. Really? Okay. He wasn't done yet. So he does those two things, and then he does a third thing. Back on the street again, the suspect stole an iPhone from another strap hanger on West 145th Street on Lenox Avenue around 7.15 in the morning and fled into a subway tunnel. Cops caught up with him. He tried to climb up a subway platform back into the station. By the way, the cops are now in danger chasing this criminal. And they finally charged him with grand larceny and a criminal trespassing. The Manhattan DA's office said it again, tried to have Garcia jailed, recommending that he be kept behind bars for $20,000. The Manhattan criminal court judge, Valentina Morales, denied the request and instead ordered a 72-hour psych evaluation of Garcia at Bellevue. So it's all about the criminal now. Unbelievable. That's what happens. What did those three people do? They have nothing to do with any mental illness or problems you might have in prison or no cash bail. But they just want to ride the subway possibly to work at 730 in the morning or to a parade. Cut 37. More from Lindsey Graham. The chickens are coming home to roost when it comes to crime and the radical left. It is fashionable in blue states and liberal districts to be soft on crime. It is not fashionable among the average American to allow this to go on and on and on. So we need to vote. Tlaib, Congresswoman Tlaib, has a bill to empty all the federal prisons by 10 years. Uh, mass incarceration needs to go, regardless of apparently what you did because of COVID. And uh, the, some squad members want to do it with cash bail. Let's vote on this. Let's take this issue to the House and the Senate and see where members of Congress and the Senate would vote. I'm going to stand with the cops. I'm going to stand with making it harder to get bail when you maul people over and over, not easier. Yeah, I mean, it's so obvious. This is the crazy thing. The answers are obvious. Now, and I was talking to some lawyers over the weekend. They said, listen, there is a problem. If you, let's say, uh, get caught shoplifting and you set the bail at $1,000, if you're of meager means, background, or homeless, you're not going to be able to get that out, where if you do have some money, you can afford to get the $1,000 and get out. So if you commit the same crime... And have the same bail. If you're poor, you're never going to get out and it takes forever for you to get a trial date. So you just languish in prison. Who knows if you're innocent or guilty? Let's just assume uh, you're guilty. You still, maybe you don't want three weeks in prison waiting for your trial to come up. So maybe they say that's not fair. But you've overcorrected to the, to the insane degree. Where cops don't arrest people because they know that before they get done with the paperwork, they're out again. And now you're disempowered. Alex, you listen on WABC in New York, one of our coveted affiliates. We're on from 10 to noon there. What's on your mind, Alex? Oh, good, good morning, Brian. Um, you know, before I get to the comment why I called, I think bail should actually be if you're a richer person, you should end up paying more money for bail because that would only be fear. $1,000 for me is not the same $1,000 for somebody else. But also we got to have those criminals. We could feel bad for them, but if we don't have them scared of committing a crime, it's not going to be good for any of us. But I have this question on Joe Biden. So he's not. he says he's not to blame for the gasoline prices that are now this expensive, but rather COVID. If, is, if COVID is responsible for the prices through the roof, why under Donald Trump in 2020, at the height of the pandemic, were gasoline prices at the lowest they've been in years and they were going even lower? Maybe it has to do with the fact that we were energy independent, that yes. Joe Biden canceled production of gasoline in this country, and we're not anymore energy independent, and that's why gasoline is now this expensive. 
It has a lot to do with it. And I know it's a global market, and we put our entry into there, and then the market reflects that. But knowing that we can go in there and flood the market with money, affect uh, with with uh, product, and affect Saudi Arabia, affect Russia, affect Iran's money, then that that to me works to our advantage. But again, we've emboldened our enemies, just like at home. We empty our prisons and disempower cops. Abroad, we embolden our enemies by letting them do the one thing that sustains their economy, and that's pump oil and gas. And at the same time, we say we want to be a cleaner country. That's fine, but the technology is not there yet. Alex, you're 100% right, and the, the president thinks he's going to tap into America and get his poll ratings up by saying he's concerned. No, no, it takes action. Jerry, listen on WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Jerry. Yes, Brian. I just have a small beef with you. Why do you keep giving credibility to this idea that we're in a transition to clean energy, to solar and wind? We will never make that transition. It's not possible. It's not theoretically possible. All of this nonsense is based on junk science from climate computer models. If CO2 doubled tomorrow, nobody would notice. Uh, Don't give these people credibility. They are simply clowns of science. I will give you this. Here's an example. I do remember the first time I went to California, the smog was incredible. Technology uh, got so much better, and there were smog requirements. It really helped clean that up. I do think that solar panels can, can help, not replace. I think a lot of this technology can help, not replace. When it's ready to be replaced... Whether it's you, Jerry, who sees an opportunity to make some money and become a zillionaire, we'll jump in. But right now, the technology is not there. I don't see it. I can't do it. I don't innovate. But I am also going to say that there have been advances made in clean technology. If there are things we can do in this country to clean up the environment, I am all for it. But every time there's a fire, they say it's because I have a combustion engine. Every time it rains a lot in a place it doesn't usually rain a lot, they say it's because of jet fuel. And we every time now there's a fire, they go climate change. Every time there's a flood or a monsoon in Bangladesh, it's climate change. Pick open, crack open the Bible. I think they had some weather problems there too. They also had problems if you crack over anybody who, um, like Columbus or any navigator uh, back then, you could see that they, as they chronicled the weather, how many struggles they had in these areas. We see Europe get flooded, and we think, oh, it's climate change. But if there are things that we could do in the environment, I'm all for it. But he is trying to replace gas and and electric. Excuse me. He's trying to place gas with electric. He's trying to place gas and oil with other things. Right now, the world needs fossil fuel. And if they have an invention, which we can't foresee, but if they have an invention that's going to replace that, let's see it. But I haven't seen it. 1-866-408-7669. one 866 But I'm open to the fact that gains have been made in those areas. You know, the Prius, you might not like it, but uh, the Prius burns clean. We know that. But we know that you you plug it in, and for the most part, these electric power plants are fueled by coal. Problem, isn't it? You have something to replace coal? I don't know. I haven't invented it yet. China hasn't invented it yet. Japan hasn't invented it yet. The rest of the world's using it. Germany hasn't invented it yet. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline is another big story. Over the weekend, there's pressure on the president to actually reverse himself and just deny and put pressure on Germany to not finish the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, to not let, to not subscribe to it. They totally cut out the Ukraine, and they now make Europe susceptible to Russian whims, and Russia will have control of their energy in the winter. So if Russia's going to take the Ukraine and we want to put sanctions on them, what if they just shut off the oil? 
What if they shut off the gas? That'll really affect policy, wouldn't it? When your constituents start freezing to death in the winter in Germany. So we're allowing them to do it. Anthony Blinken is pushing back at us and our allies, Republicans in the Senate, and some Democrats that want to side with them to say we should protest this pipeline. This president hates American pipelines, loves Russian pipelines. And you wonder why his approval ratings between 36 and 40 percent is because his policies are just dumb and they're anti-American. Just stupid. Nord Stream 2, they can't believe how, how selfish it was of Germany to sign off on this, cutting out Eastern European countries, which is on the threshold of being a member of NATO, and then not going to do a deal with people they can trust like us. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, we're going to find out if there's indeed more to know. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. As flawed as America was for the African-American, as brutal as the African-American experience was early, he wanted to make the country better. He didn't want another country. I think that's the part that people don't know about Frederick Douglass. He wanted to make his stand here, almost in biblical terms. He saw the promise of America which is hard to do when you're being beaten. So Douglas's gift was he never let the slave owners own him, not just physically in the showdown, but emotionally, spiritually, he transcended it. That was uh, Douglas Brinkley on a special. This now on Fox Nation, uh, the president of Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass in the battle to save America's soul. Thanks so much for keeping it on the New York Times list again for the third straight week. Um, and we hope to keep it there. And I'm going to be December 3rd on Fox Nation Live streaming a show. Really, it's the war against America, uh, winning the war against American history. That's the theme. But the f- overall title is the President Freedom Fighter Tour. But you've heard me talk, if you've been kind enough to listen to the show, about all my books, George Washington, Secret Six, Thomas Jefferson, the Tripoli Pirates, Andrew Jackson, Sam Houston, and now this one. Uh, just about how special America was, never perfect, but always trying to be. And I'm going to do that on stage and be able to interact with the audience. It's so much fun. So watch on Fox Nation, I think, believing uh, starting at 8 o'clock on Eastern time on Friday night. And December 4th, I'll be in Clearwater, Florida. December 5th, uh, I'll be in uh, McLean, Virginia. And you'll see the rest of the dates. We'll take it a week at a time. But I think it's time to see if we want to know more. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-G-O-L-D. Well, this is, uh, I'm not sure what it's going to mean for the company, but Jack Dorsey often looks stoned and out of touch. He is running Twitter, but he has decided to step down as CEO and the board of, and at, that the board of directors has unanimously appointed Parag uh, Agrawal as CEO and who was a member of the board. Uh, Brett Taylor was named the new chairman of the board. Uh, Dorsey will remain a member of the board until his term expires at the end of 2022. I'm not sure what it's going to mean. It's going to just bring more scrutiny. I would love a more reputable person to head up a company, but he has to be a genius to have started something like this. Next, Matthew McConaughey has an announcement to make about being the next governor of Texas. Cut 42. As a simple kid born in the little town of Uvalde, Texas, It never occurred to me that I would one day be considered for political leadership. It's a humbling and inspiring path to ponder. It is also a path that I'm choosing not to take at this moment. What am I going to do? I'm going to continue to work and invest the bounty I have by supporting entrepreneurs, 
businesses and foundations that I believe are leaders, establishments that I believe are creating pathways for people. All right, okay, we get it. He's not going to run. He announced that on Sunday he was beating Greg Abbott in a lot of the polls. So it's Abbott against uh, Beto O'Rourke, it looks like. But don't count out Colonel Allen West. Keep in mind, Colonel West ran the Texas GOP. He thinks he could do a much better job. I think by his candidacy, he actually spurred Abbott to take more action on the border. And now it's really Texas against the world as he tries to watch the southern border. We'll see how that goes. Extremely popular guy, but I don't think he wants 50% of the country not liking him. He saw what happened with Schwarzenegger. Next, bipartisan lawmakers urge the SEC to review Unilever's filings over Ben & Jerry's Israel boycott. You know these crazy left-wingers who came up with an ice cream? Ben & Jerry uh, want to amend their regulatory filing to reflect potential risk to shareholders over the company's Israel boycott. They announced in July that it would no longer sell its products to disputed territories near the West Bank, which the company called Occupied Palestinian Territory. The decision came amid an escalating conflict between Israel and Gaza. Ben and Jerry's in a statement said that selling products in those areas will be inconsistent with Ben and Jerry's values. Fantastic. Are they selling in China? How are those values? How about Russia? Are you able to get it there? We'll find out about those values. Uh, Congressman Andrew Garbarino, a Republican, and a Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat in New Jersey. Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania joined Torres in signing the letter. Richie Torres came up with the legislation to have the SEC uh, look into this. Next, outspoken NBA player reportedly changing his name to Ennis Cantor Freedom will celebrate his U.S. citizenship today. Let's listen. Cut 41. I mean, it's the greatest country in the world. And I actually, not many people know this, and this is the first time I'm actually saying it on, on live. And I passed my citizenship test, and the end of this month, I'm actually getting this uh, sworn in and becoming an official American uh, citizen. And I cannot wait. So that's a good news. Uh, he's Celtics player. He's not playing a lot of minutes now. I get worried. This controversial stand will give people the opportunity uh, to, to um, I don't know, keep him out of the league. But he was joined by the coach of the Spurs, who said it was a good thing that he's standing up like this. He called out LeBron James, Michael Jordan for not doing enough, the NBA for continuing to do this, Joe Biden uh, for allowing Hong Kong to be taken over. That was really during the Trump years. And then uh, Taiwan being threatened. But he basically, they set up a concentration camp where over a million Muslims are tortured on a daily basis. Why is that okay with the rest of the world? Why is it okay to intimidate Tibet and do what they're doing to that uh, neighboring nation? And why are we going to play the Winter Olympics there? More importantly, why did the IOC okay it? What a, this is a, a terrible trend. I'll tell you what I find refreshing about it. Here's somebody that was not born here that has a love for America that people that live and have been born here should listen to him and right. see what makes America great. This is the, an American dream being lived by Ennis. Yeah, we'll see. He, we'll see if we can call him like world be free. Uh, where those, were the, those were the fun days. We just wanted a free world. Now it's a, we want America to be free. Uh, world be free was an outstanding forward who forgot to pass for his entire career, but was an outstanding player. Uh, next, Brett Favre reflects on the unifying power of sports, generically, but importantly, on Sunday night in America. For me and for my teammates, we never saw color or ethnic background. We won together. We lost together. We spent so much time together, and uh, you, you just knew everything about your teammates. You know, I would say the only problems that ever erupted were petty little arguments over who was supposed to cover this guy or who was supposed to run this route, you know. But, again, petty stuff. Sports is such a, especially football, is such a galvanizing way of, of bringing people together. Yeah, real quick way in, Pete. 
I'll tell you what, go to a game. It's, it's not just the players. How many times have you been to a game when your team has a big victory? Fans are hugging, fans are yeah. high-fiving. Nobody's saying, oh, this, what, what's this guy's color? What's this guy's yeah. background? We Brett Favre, yeah, Brett Favre's in the real world right now. He doesn't like it. Uh, and finally, a secret Santa uh, says wrapping gifts. This is a secret. Wrapping gifts ranks as the worst part of the holidays. They surveyed 2,000 Americans. They identify the worst part of the holiday season. Wrapping presents, 52% said that. Nearly 51% hate the task so much they prefer having a pro do it. Half will go out of their way only to buy easy-to-wrap gifts. The hardest gifts to wrap, bikes, gym equipment, sports balls, guitars, candles. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.